0: 我一直以为，如果我不去烦别人，就不会有人注意我，也不会有人伤害我。直到今天，我才知道，不是这样的。直到今天我才知道 我不會降低他們想像力我找到你了
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. This is Mike, and joining me as always, it's Mr. Venom. What is up, Venom? How are you? Greetings
2: and salutations, you happy people. I'm doing pretty well, Mike. How the hell are you?
1: I'm doing pretty well, keeping the uh, tears to a minimum, so hopefully I don't go crazy through <laughs> the course of this uh, discussion. Uh, all right, joining us as well it's Don. How are you doing, Don?
0: Yeah, great to uh, be back as a threesome, although I miss Derek, it's uh, great to hang out with you guys.
1: (laughs) Cool, yeah, Um, I I have a feeling Derek will probably be joining us, like, semi-frequently, just because it seems like it's a time that usually works for him. Uh, Sucks that he couldn't join us for probably (laughs) one of the better ones, right, Um, but uh, that's a I guess a preview for my general thoughts, but uh, we are talking uh, about uh, the sadness tonight. This is one that uh, pretty much everyone I know has been looking forward to since uh, last year sometime, just depending on, you know, who saw the trailer when or has more inside tracks to festival screenings, but uh, it you. was kind of out there. Yep. That'd be Dawn. <laughs> um, so some people had seen it as far back as then, but for the rest of us, it was like, oh, there's a trailer. When's it gonna release? When's it gonna release? And then uh, it was, it fortunately got a German release, um, and it was available on the German Amazon. So myself and Venom both picked it up, as well as a bunch of other people. And then wouldn't you know it? Like almost, <laughs> almost instantly after I made that order, all of a sudden I got the official release date on Shutter. Um, I I still don't regret buying it. You'll find out why soon, but uh, I just thought it was like impeccable timing. Um, but it did it did release on Shutter this past week, so we kind of made the decision that uh, since that's like the official release date for America, or at least you know wide enough uh, scope that almost anyone can see it if they want with a Shutter subscription, we figured it'd be best to just cover it on that week and uh instead of like when you know we got our physical copies what a few weeks ago now i think um so yeah that's uh a little background on the sadness and i'm sure the listeners you've probably heard something about this probably varies but uh yeah the synopsis i will take off imdb pretty short and sweet a young couple trying to reunite amid a city ravaged by a plague that turns its victims into deranged bloodthirsty sadists short sweet and actually
0: accurate after last week (laughs) yeah
1: pretty accurate so (laughs) what does this all mean for what we thought of the movie well let's find out starting with venom what are your general thoughts on the sadness
2: All right, my friends, Um, every year, almost every year, a movie comes out that makes me glad that I'm a horror fan, that literally checks off every box that I'm looking for in a particular subgenre or just in horror in general. My friends, in 2022, that movie is The Sadness. This movie is a fucking joy. I had an ear-to-ear grin, very much emulating our uh, antagonist in the film, but I had an ear-to-ear grin from beginning to end in this film. Uh, As Mike mentioned, you know, we picked up the German 4K early, and I've already watched it about a half dozen times. I'm actually watching it right now as we discuss the movie. Yes, I've become that much of a fan. This movie is just gleefully violent. It is joyously gory. I mean, I'm not sure what the proper um, adjectives are really going to be to properly describe this movie because it's just... It's an absolute experience and considering VFW was my favorite movie of 2020, it makes absolute sense that this is my favorite movie thus far in 2022 because both movies kind of share the gleeful violent uh, aesthetic, the -the over-the-top violence. That's about all they share, obviously for those that have seen VFW. But like I said, this movie is just so beautifully gory the set pieces are all stellar it's so well shot not just the scenes of violence too like there are some there's some beautiful symbolism in this film some iconography that really really stays with you i mean the first time that you see a baby carriage filled with guts that looks like it could equal a human baby. That's a powerful image. I mean, it's, it's in a horror film and, you know, we can just kind of bypass it and not think about it, but that's a taboo that a lot of films don't really go after, you know, the killing of children, the killing of uh, very young people. And even though we don't actually see any baby violence necessarily, some of the iconography in here is just so powerful Beautiful cinematography, a great score. I mean, uh, just a a near flawless score. It it does exactly what it's supposed to do when it's supposed to do it. Uh, What can I say about The Kills? Just as I've already said, gleefully violent. Just one of the. This is a movie that would worry the older generation knowing that I love, that I absolutely adore this film because it's just. It is so disturbingly subversive at times. Um, The movie is not very long. We're looking at an hour and 40 minutes and it does not take long at all to get to it. I mean, we see our first infected in the first five minutes. Um, There's not any action necessarily in that scene, but we do see our first infected victim um, just kind of staring, standing and staring at our uh, one of our protagonists. And it instantly just sets such a tone um, You know, just tension that you can cut with a knife. Sorry to use a terribly old cliche, but I mean, on, on the sixth or seventh watch of this movie, I'm still sitting on the edge of my seat watching this film. Not like I don't know what's about to happen at this point, but just I, I get this shit eating grin when some of my favorite scenes are about to come up when I know the scenes are coming. I mean, you know, we all do it with our favorite movies, uh, you know, our favorite classic movies. This is a movie that just came out for us in America this year. And I've already, like I said, I've already watched it about a half dozen times. I'm pretty sure I'm going to watch it a half dozen more before this month is out. And then, of course, you know, end of the year watches. Uh, I'll find a reason to watch this two or three more times before the year is over. But yeah. I'm going to cut my general thoughts short because I could talk about this movie for fucking hours, and I'm pretty sure we will. So uh, fasten your seatbelt, folks. You're in for a a long one. But, yeah, uh, I'm just going to cut it off here and say this is, by a goddamn mile, my favorite movie of 2022. Nothing is even close. My second favorite movie Feels like it's head and shoulders below the sadness, even though my second favorite movie is, you know, what many people would call elevated horror, you know, foreign, very well shot, very well made, blah, 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 but it still just pales in comparison to the absolute... um, just comfort food that is the sadness and if if you can watch this movie and walk away from it smiling and exhilarated then my friends you are one of my people and i love you so i'm gonna leave it at that and just say this fucking movie is an experience and must be watched by all all genre fans i'm not saying you're all gonna love it mind you there's gonna be a large section of the community that doesn't like it either it's too violent or maybe we're hyping it up too much because don't forget. Um, As Mike said, you know, some of us have already seen it for months, and I've been hyping it up. I've been talking a lot about it. And I've already heard from podcasters that have watched it since its shutter release saying that they are actually disappointed that, you know, some of us may have overhyped it. And if that and if I'm guilty of that, I truly apologize. But I don't care. I'm dying on this hill. I fucking love this movie. It is just an absolute experience, and like I said, I, I think I'm going to watch it as soon as we're done recording this episode. Again, because I'm watching it right now, but without audio, just so I, to make sure I don't miss anything during our walkthrough later. But yeah, this fucking movie, holy shit. I'm going to leave it at that, Mike.
1: All right, well, where you're leaving it, let's see if Dawn picks it up. So what are your general thoughts, Don, on the sadness
0: Oh, I'm gonna pick it up. I'm gonna shove it, to, shove my dick straight in its eye hole, and I'm gonna caress it until <laughs> it's. I'm gonna caress it until the blood dries on my dick. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, uh, folks. If you
2: haven't seen the movie, you might actually think Don's a sick fuck, but trust me, it's coming from somewhere. <laughs>
0: Yeah, um, I was saying this uh, as soon as the film uh, premiered last year at Fantasia, where I was uh, lucky enough to see it. In 2030, when we analyze uh, the films of the past decade and where the genre has stood since then, this is the movie you're going to have to beat between now and then. Um, I'm dying on this hill just like Venom. Uh, This is not just my favorite film of of the year, this is my favorite film of the decade because I don't know if anything's going to top this. Um, Wow. Just, I, I mean, this is one of the most relentless, unforgiving, just absolutely unflinching genre experiences I've seen probably since the original evil dead. When I first saw that one and that thing won me over just as much as this thing did by being just as ferocious and relentless as this one gets. And and as Venom as said, it's immediate. It's nonstop. I mean, this is pretty much just you're dropped in. You get to know these two characters' names and then shit hits the fan from there. And where this thing goes, I mean, the onslaught of violence that erupts in this movie I don't know if there was enough blood left in me to finish my erection when I was done, but I mean, <laughs> holy shit, this thing just, it it just keeps going. And I mean, if you've seen, you know, if the only experience you have from the film is that Red Band trailer that premiered on YouTube, trust me when I say that's not even a quarter of what goes on in this thing. And my earlier description is going to be pretty much uh, as far as what happens, because I I mean, I almost don't even want to say it, but there is an honest to God, or I should say honest to Satan, legitimate skull fucking in this movie, and it's not the most brutal act that happens to a person.
2: No, it is not. Oh, God.
0: There is an actual legitimate skull fucking in this movie. Oh, God. That is not the most brutal act inflicted upon a human being. I cannot describe enough how joyful I was to watch a scene like that and to note that that was at the end of what's gone on before, because it, it just, it culminates this cacophony of this escalation of violence and gore that I, I haven't seen since, you know, evil dead or, you know, dead alive or Primuthos or any of the other gore classics that we've all cherished and loved for decades now. And I, I'm putting it into this category because I think that's where we're going to put it at the put it in its place soon enough. We're going to put it up there like, alongside those names and laud it as one of the greatest genre experiences of our time. Because I I don't know about you guys, after seeing it once, this thing made my top ten of the year. not just the top ten of the year, but this is in my top ten of all time and repeat viewings have only cemented that feeling and rob my good man you've won a fan for life and i'm proud to say i'm proud to say you're a facebook friend i can't wait to see where this goes from here because I, I, i'm following your career my man i, I don't care what you do dad uh, you're 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 aces in my book and i'm just I want to see where you go from here because this thing is just a journey that I, I I feel so honored to have seen. And it's just so immaculate and so wonderfully shot because the one thing Venom pointed on that very few people talk about the technicality in this film is astounding. Mm -hmm. I mean, the shots are just beautiful, not just taking in, you know, the explosion of violence and gore and, you know, these just, geysers that erupt. But there's beautiful shots in here and you you don't really notice it, but then as soon as you start paying attention to it, they hit you like a brick wall, almost as much as the the rest of the violence. And then, you know, you top in, you know, this incredibly topical storyline that I I don't know where the hell he got all of his insights in, but this thing just feels so topical and so on point and what's you know going on in the world. It's a gore film with smarts, and it's a gore film that has more going on behind the scenes than you realize, and that's a dangerous thing for some people. For others, like me and Venom so far, I, I, I think it's going to drain our balls and make us <laughs> shriveling putrid piles worse than the people left in this film once it's over, but... <laughs> God damn it, I am so glad that I had that experience. So, so since I've been praising this film now for several months, I, I'm just glad to finally have other people to know that I wasn't just talking out my ass. So, I guess my general thoughts is I told you so, and thank God I was.
2: <laughs> it does feel good, though, when you're right about something. And yeah, it cannot be denied that you were 100% right about this movie. And you know what? Top 10 all time. I can't actually argue that. I mean, I would, I would have to. It's funny too because we're all in the process of doing our top one hundreds for another podcast. That's going to be doing a listener top one hundred. I I don't know where I'm going to put the sadness. Like, I mean, it's a given; it's going to be in there. But you know, I I try not to let movies like this affect like my the way I look at my all-time list because it happens every year where one, will, one or two movies will come out and it just resonates with you so much that you just want right. to yeah. declare it one of your favorite movies ever. But I like to let movies sit with me for a little bit. As I've said, I've already watched this about a half dozen times, so I think I'm right there with Don. If I, if I really sat down and thought about it, I mean, between its gore, its beautiful practical effects – um, the, the masterful, uh, filmmaking that at hand here, I mean, like I said, it's not just about the violence and the gore. This is a legitimately incredibly well-made film. Um, so yeah, uh, sorry to interrupt Mike, but, uh, let's, let's let Mike go before I, uh, what do you call it? Stroke this movie's ego anymore.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So yeah, I like this movie a lot. It's probably, I, I'm trying to think. it. I think it's probably sitting at my favorite of the year. If not, it's like at least in consideration so far. It's just nice. Finally, a movie lives up to the expectations or, yeah, I guess the excitement I had for it, you know, when that Red Band trailer came out. I mean, I wouldn't say at that point it was a guarantee I was going to love it, but I was like, okay, unless the trailer is taking every bit of, violence that's in the movie and there's nothing else but Mm -hmm. the trailer. I was like, I don't see how I'm not gonna like it. But uh even that, I I liked it uh, so much more. Um it's it's a pretty quick watch. It's it's, it has a lot of rewatch value because once Mm -hmm. it goes, it it just goes. The setup's not very long. I mean it's you get just what you need to know to set the table for the movie and it's kinda off to the races and doesn't really let up. And It's not just the violence alone, but it's kind of like some dark things are, you know, there's some dark reveals along the way, as far as like what some survivors kind of different decisions people have made along the way. Mm -hmm. And uh, because of the situation, you kind of relate it to everything that was going on in the pandemic that we're not quite out of yet. Now, obviously this is more of a fictionalized, ultra-extreme type of virus that's taken over. Um, the, I don't know if it's the country or world. I can't remember what the news reports in the movie said. But let's just say it's the immediate area where all the people live in the movie. But um, there's there's many relatable things in the early stages of it that we can probably recognize and uh it almost kinda of scares you because it, it, it feels like in in real life when it comes to like COVID and all that shit, regardless of like your personal thoughts on it, we probably as just as mankind species, we probably dodged a bullet that it wasn't something more deadly because if by some chance it was deadly, I think <laughs> uh it could have been a lot more devastating just because of you know, all the responses all across the board but so when you watch a movie like this it just kind of uh puts in a perspective um as far as yeah how horribly things could have gone so i guess there's always like a there's always <laughs> something to be glad that you aren't personally going through cuz man how many of us would be goners pretty much instantly and the way it just rapidly uh spread in this movie is pretty, pretty frightening too. It's pretty much no one's safe anywhere at any time really um I know prior to me even seeing it just when i uh, I think <clears throat> I first saw the trailer or even before that people were comparing it to the comic crossed um I do see a similarity i I do have the first uh trade of crossed and there are some similarities, but I mean. Really, if you think about it, it's it's art imitating life. So you, you have to expect a lot of these types of movies um, related to this subject material. So I think it's it's probably more along those lines of why a movie like this is happening the, at the Brewmark watch party last week. Someone did bring that up. And uh, I can't remember what the director his full answer was. He did say, like, yeah, he was aware i think of cross but he named off some other influences and stuff and it all made sense like it it was a valid justified answer to me and uh i think the music in this is really good too Uh, um even those opening credits how it we kind of get like our little uh our biology biology. Uh, (laughs) yeah the mutating virus and then just cuts into like the synth Sound as the title <laughs> comes up, and then the closing credits was like a death metal song or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you know the band by chance?
0: Uh, I don't offhand. Uh, I'll try to find it while we're recording. Um, I can do that. Um, give me all right. Second.
1: Well, while you guys do that, I'll just say, yeah, it's it's a pretty flawless movie, and it's it's very trimmed down. It doesn't feel like there's much at all wasted in this movie. Like it's it's only. Um, what what is it like an hour?
0: Hour forty uh,
1: is it? A, yeah, 40?
0: yeah. I think I think everything start the uh, the credits start rolling like like one thirty five or something. But yeah, okay. I think by the I think by the time everything's over, it's like one forty.
1: Nice. Okay. Um. Yeah, but other than that, I, it's it's highly recommended if you're into like ultra violent Asian cinema. This should be right up your alley. It, it to me, this feels like almost like a renaissance of, like, the type of stuff that got me into Asian cinema in the first place. And, you know, there's always going to be those detractors out there because I can already see it now. People watching this and be like, oh, I've seen, like, more violent. And, of course, you could say that about any movie you watch. Oh, well, I've seen something even more violent. Well, okay, that's not the point. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's plenty ultra-violent, violent, and it's plenty good. And, uh, yeah, I, like, I could see why people... Wouldn't like it as much as us, maybe, but man, if if, if <laughs> this is your type of movie, this to me is it it, it hits all the marks. So yeah. I'll leave it at that.
2: Uh, the 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 song during the closing credits is by the band Ashen, and the song is "Crying City." So yeah, death metal, European death metal.
1: Cool, cool.
2: But, yeah, I mean, this movie does so much right, like we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the gore and the kills and everything in this film, but there are so so many little touches that I absolutely love about this uh, you know the fact that the virus kicks in really, really fast, very very similar to twenty eight days later, the fact that these the the fact that the infected are smiling the entire fucking time. Like they're literally enjoying every second of what they're doing. And to an extent they are, once we get kind of the reveal of how the virus works, um, to an extent that does kind of make sense. But my friends, if you think having a horde of angry, you know, murderous, um, rage virus, 28 Days Later type characters chasing you, imagine that, but with all of them giggling as they chase you. I'm sorry, but to me, that's that's fucking off-putting. Like, that just, it, it sets me off, and it kind of reminds me, there was a, I don't know if you guys, how into first-person shooters you guys are, but there's an old first-person shooter on the old PlayStation called Serious Sam, and in that game, there was a character, there was a villain, an enemy in the game that you could hear giggle before you actually saw them on screen, and it was fucking terrifying if you were playing the game in surround sound. This is what that reminds me of listening to these, you know, antagonists as they chase their victims, uh, laughing with these shit eating grins that just are so, so, so it it, it reminds me of happy puppet syndrome. And if you guys are not familiar with happy puppet syndrome, I would strongly recommend you do not look it up Um, because some of the images of people that actually have happy puppet syndrome, it's fucking heartbreaking. And it's going to remind you of the antagonist in this film. So, I mean, it, you know, if you have any sympathy for humanity in any way, I would not look that uh, condition up. But if you're a sadistic bastard like Don and myself, go ahead and check it out and look at some of the images and tell me that doesn't look like some of the antagonists from our film today. Not the eyes, obviously, not the blacked out eyes, but the smile, the constant sweat and drool. I mean, just, yeah, it's fucking terrifying. Um, and not only that, these the infected still talk. They're still speaking. And the shit, the absolute bile that's coming out of their mouth is like, it's equal parts cringeworthy and exhilarating to hear these fucking words come out of these, you know, and these are, you know, Taiwanese people, usually very prim and proper, you know. And they're talking about the awful shit that they're going to do to their victims as they're stalking them, especially when they're chasing or stalking a female victim. All the just absolute subversive, psychosexual shit that they're talking about, what they're going to do to them when they catch them. That's almost more vile than what they actually do. And they get them just hearing them talk. ah. It worked so much for me that I I just can't. I can barely put it into words. So goddamn terrifying. And then the multiple incredible set pieces in this movie. The train scene. That's all you have to say. The train car scene. Holy shit. We're going to be talking about this scene for decades. After this, this scene, and and it's a long scene. It's not like a quickie two, three minutes scene. Now, my friends, we're talking like 10 to 12 minutes of just ultra violence in in an enclosed space. Ah, I I hope I'm giving the movie justice uh, with the words I'm choosing to describe it, because I I feel like I'm going to fall short regardless of what I say. But then there's going to be people that say that I overhyped it. And that's just as valid, you know, depending on how you look at this film. But. So many elements of this just work. I mean, I literally sat here last night trying to think of something negative to say, literally anything negative to say about this movie. My friends, I can't think of one. I cannot think of one, not the pacing, not the editing, cinematography, dialogue, performances. Uh, There's nothing I I can nitpick and, and, you know... (laughs) Which, uh, you know, obviously that kind of makes it a 10 out of 10 for me. I mean, if I if I if I'm trying to find something negative to say and I can't find anything, I mean, you you know, what else is there? (laughs) Just the gleeful, the gleeful blood spray throughout this film, the 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 massive attacks of just stabbing an individual 40 times with a goddamn smile on my on your face. Yeah. This movie is fucking haunting exhilarating cringy uh, (laughs) boner inducing as Don would say and I will happily agree with that one because if you're a gore hound this is basically porn I mean (laughs) there's no other way to put it if you like gory horror films this is our porn my friends uh, right here. We don't have to hide it. You know, we don't have to put it in a folder to hide it from our wives. (laughs) Shit. I have it right next to sleeping beauty in my goddamn DVD collection. It's literally sadness, sleeping beauty, and I'm never going to move it. I want it there like that forever. (laughs) So I I just, like I said, we're going to sit here and just fillet this movie for a couple of hours. And, uh, I'm going to try really hard to be objective. I'm trying to be objective, but it's so hard when you watch something and we, it's happened to all of us. We've all seen a movie that just resonates with us on like a cosmic level. And, and this movie is that for me. I mean, I I would have paid a hundred dollars for this movie to get it a month before it came out on shutter. I would have paid one, two, potentially $300. I don't care. That's how much I love this movie. On top of the fact that, by the way, the steel the steel book that the German version comes with is fucking awesome. Yeah, you know, we we've got our businessman on the cover with his axe. Ah, just absolutely stellar. I,
0: I swear to God, whoever that guy is, whoever Rob, wherever you found him, kudos, man. That guy is an absolute icon. Yeah.
2: And he's only credited as businessman. So his character actually didn't have a name. So we're going to be calling him the businessman throughout the movie. Um, and I kind of like that, actually. <laughs> I tend I tend to not always be great with names, um, especially, you know, a movie that has a lot of characters. This one doesn't have a lot, but I mean, you know, we we meet a lot of people that end up getting dispatched fairly quickly. And that can tend to, you know, kind of confuse who's who, especially when you're watching a foreign film. Uh you know, when everybody's not named Michael and Johnny, <laughs> it makes it a little bit at least our main character's named Jim, so that's that makes it easy at least i kinda I appreciate that Jim and Cat, nice and easy to remember, but uh yeah, I don't know, guys, anything else you want to say before we get into spoilers' Cause, uh i I am looking forward to this. <laughs> I, I'm good I'm trying to oh, save my load good. here yeah <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> I'm trying not to touch myself, but it's really hard. Uh, literally, Same. yeah, me <laughs> too. Literally <laughs> and figuratively, my friends, it's hard. <laughs> Mike, anything else you want to add before we jump into the uh, spoilers? Nope, I'm good. <laughs> oh man! All right, friends, I'm gonna try to be somewhat lively with this walkthrough and not take 20 minutes to discuss every single goddamn scene. But mind you, I could. I'm pretty sure Don and I could do a five-hour episode on this movie easily without a, without taking a break. But I'm going to try not to subject you guys to all of this, um, especially since if you're still with us, you've already seen the film or you don't care about the film and you just kind of want to hear some of the plot points. So... I'll try to be I'll try to be quick and not as loving as I'd like to be. So, as Mike mentioned, uh, our movie opens with this cool little CG opening credit sequence showing um some uh bacteria strains, you know, in the bloodstream. We see them start to mutate, and then we see one of them, like, explode, like literally explode. And then that turns into the title card, of course, the sadness with that great synth, dark synth sting uh, as the title appears on screen. After that, we are introduced to Jim and Kat. They are a young couple living together in Taiwan. They are young professionals, and they get into a little bit of a discussion uh, where they had a vacation planned for the following week. Unfortunately, Jim took uh, a job. It looks like Job is like, uh, excuse me, it looks like Jim is some kind of filmmaker or, you know, has something to do with production. And he basically takes work whenever it comes. And he took this job even though he knew he had, he kind of tried to play that he forgot that they were going on vacation the following week. But I think it's pretty obvious he didn't forget. He just was hoping to avoid this conversation. Of course, Cat is disappointed. She feels, you know, she feels kind of um, minimized because, you know, he. it's difficult. She talks about how difficult it is for her to get time off, and she got an entire week off to be with Jim, and now he's canceling the plans, which, you know, kind of fucks Cat over. So, you know, for a little bit, I, I'm starting to think that Jim is going to turn into that stereotypical horror douchebag spouse um luckily he does not we just get that little bit there of that misunderstanding and you know you're kind of mad at jim for a little bit um but it kind of goes away as soon as the shit hits the fan um then uh we're introduced to the neighbor mr lynn very briefly um we have have uh, Jim go out into his patio and Mr. Lin is there taking care of his garden. Um uh, and he no- and he notices that Mr. Lin looks sick, like his eyes are kind of red and puffy. Um and you know Mr. Lin claims, oh it's just a cold, no big deal. And then this is where we start to get a little topical where Mr. Lin starts talking about, oh, this whole virus pandemic thing that they're talking about, it's just a giant hoax. It's no big deal. And just instantly, I'm like, wow, they have Republicans in Taiwan. How cool. OK, so, yeah, Mr. Lin obviously is, you know, older generation and, and you know, very skeptical of what the government does and says. I, I would imagine in China that's even or I mean, Taiwan, under the rule of China, you know, they probably see it even worse than we do. Um And while Jim is out on the patio, he looks across the way to another building and he sees an old woman just standing there, staring out into the horizon, not looking at Jim, just looking in the opposite direction. Um, It's obviously a very old woman, long gray hair. She looks like she's wearing like a nightgown, you know, that, that older women wear. And he tries to get her attention, you know, thinking that she might need some help or something. And she, when she turns around, we see that she actually has blood on the front of her, and she smiles at Jim, and her teeth are just all jacked up. I'm not sure if this is an effect of the virus, or if this woman just didn't take care of her teeth. I think it is the virus, because there's multiple people in the movie that later on we see with jacked up teeth, and uh, some of them are young. I can't imagine young people would have teeth that fucked up that early in their lives. So it seems like the virus is kind of doing more than mutating their minds it seems like it might be doing something there to their body too not that we get any confirmation of that this is just one man's opinion um and then at that point uh jim gets distracted by cat and when he turns back around the old woman is gone he doesn't really think too much of it he says goodbye to mr lynn for the morning and him and cat are off to work now while they're uh Uh, on Jim's moped or motorcycle I I don't really want to call it a motorcycle but uh, while they're on his bike uh, we actually get some really cool shots um, throughout the city and there's one particular shot here that I really really wanted to point out because I think it's fucking masterful Um, you hear people say a picture is worth a thousand words well this movie has many pictures in it that are worth a thousand words and one of them it's really cool because it, the the scene is in slow motion, and what we're seeing is Jim and Cat drive by a scene that's involving police. And what we see, so the camera is panning uh, side to side. Uh, we see a house in the background, no big deal, nothing's happening. Then we see the front of a cop car. Okay, there, there's cops in the area. Then, as the camera pans, we see that the lights are on on the car. So obviously, you know something. More serious is happening. Then as the camera continues to pan, we see the police holding uh, a, a middle aged gentleman up against uh, the hood of the car, basically holding him down to arrest him. He's, of course, smiling. He's got a shit eaten grin on his face and he's got blood all over him. As the camera continues to pan, we see and uh, we see the police kind of comforting uh, an, an even older gentleman. And we see a woman about the same age as the person being arrested. And she's also covered with blood, but she's not attacking anyone so much as she's it's almost like she's trying to make sure the cops don't kill him. Like because she's being held back by one cop while another cop is holding this man, I'm assuming her husband, against the door. And then the camera continues to pan. And then we see the gurney. There's a gurney with a sheet over it, and under the sheet is literally just a mound of bleeding flesh. Like, literally, the blood stain on the sheet is in the shape of a human. So, this person under the sheet is completely ravaged. We see other members of the family just crying. And then Jim and Kat just continue driving. But that one shot, it's one single shot that goes across. It tells an entire fucking story. And I love that. The story of this little family who we never see again in the film, but it's like we get this little mini movie of what is going on in their house. And that's some of the masterful filmmaking I'm talking about in this film. This movie is just so well made. I'm not going to even be able to put it into words how well made this is, but. So anyway, at this point, Jim drops off Cat at home. He apologizes for the vacation the following week. He promises to make up for it. And he goes on his merry way. And after he drops Cat off at work, or at the subway, I should say, after he drops her off at the subway so that she can then take her train to work, uh, Jim goes to a little local restaurant, a little local eatery, one of those little places with like five or six tables inside. And he orders a cup of coffee, and um, unfortunately, the person behind the counter is taking care of another customer, so he has to wait for his coffee. Um, He does it politely, no problem. But while he's sitting there waiting, what we – and this is another beautiful fucking shot that I love. Jim is standing in front of the counter looking forward with the camera – in front of him and what we see in the background is the same old woman that we saw him staring at in the opening scene walk behind him not even acknowledging him like she doesn't even turn her head to look at it she look at him she just walks right by him like a fucking zombie i love this shot this shot was so nice and of course at that point uh we see that the old woman is she is very tore up Uh, She ends up attacking one of the patrons. She actually spits in his face. That's literally the first attack in this film is she spits in one of these guys' faces. After she spits in his face, um, you see him start to writhe. So obviously she's consciously trying to spread the virus. Um, And... Jim sees all of this happening and suddenly the guy that the woman spit on starts attacking his friend. They were at, they were both sitting at the table eating lunch. He attacks his friend. And I mean, violently, like he takes a butter knife off the table and literally just starts stabbing his friend over and over and over and over and over. I mean, it was literally 20 to 30 times just stab, 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 stab. And while this is happening, Uh, The old woman grabs the guy behind the counter, the guy who was taking care of the orders for the restaurant. She ends up grabbing the basket of fry oil. And apparently the oil that they use in Taiwan is much thicker than the oil that we use here because it even looked weird while it was frying. It doesn't bubble as much as a deep fryer here in America. But she grabs the basket of fries and literally pours it with a bunch of oil because this oil is so thick she was able to get like half a basket full of oil and dumps it on this guy and just starts rubbing the sides of his head and peeling flesh off the goddamn folks. This is the first kill in the goddamn movie. And we're already getting a melting face and it looks fucking amazing. (laughs) I can't get over it. Um, Obviously the scene devolves in the restaurant. As people start getting infected, they go ahead and attack the uninfected. The old woman notices Jim try to leave the restaurant and she gives chase, but obviously she's an old woman. Like, you know, these zombies, they are runners. If they're young, if they were runners in life, they're runners now. It's not like they all just suddenly become running infected. Um, I apologize for using the term zombie. I know that might be offensive to some people as this is by definition, not a zombie film, but please forgive me if the word slips out. Just like last week with virus 32 It may slip out, but, you know, you know what I'm talking about when I say it. So at this point, Jim gets out of the restaurant and he runs into a group of the infected who were kind of standing over a dead body. Do you you guys remember last week when I said I think virus 32 that I, I literally think someone in Argentina watched the sadness last year and kind of made a quick ripoff? After watching The Sadness this week, I'm more convinced of that than ever, because there are so many similarities. Like, Like this movie even has the infected kind of admiring their kill. Like they'll kill someone and then literally they'll take like 30 seconds and just kind of sit there admiring their kill until they're distracted by someone else, by another uninfected person. And then they go and attack that person. So. Um, and there's other similarities too that I didn't mention last week. So, yeah. But thankfully, Virus Thirty Two is not kind of on our minds anymore, except for me bringing it up. That I'm convinced it's a fucking ripoff now. But
0: yeah, no, I I, I kind of got a lot of that hint uh, during the rewatch. Um, I I kind of spotted a lot of it. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I I mean, yeah, the the behavior of the infected is unbelievably eerie. Um, the I I, I don't know if that's just the idea of utilizing something like a virus instead of like, you know, a, a zombie plague or something. But yeah, it, it comes off incredibly similar. Now, now that having watched them pretty close to each other, it kind of stood out pretty easily. Exactly. Yeah.
2: All right. So <clears throat> at this point, uh, like I said, Jim run in, runs into a group of infected. They know because he's trying to start his bike, his moped as quietly as possible. But unfortunately, the group of infected does hear him start up his bike. He try, you know, he he races off while they're chasing him, literally giggling. And it seems like every time they end a scene in this movie, uh, it ends with a close up of one of the infected just looking and smiling. Which, like I said, it just it just creeps me right the fuck out every time I see it. Um, Jim ends up uh, getting away and he ends ends up getting home where he tries to reach his girl. Um, unfortunately, she either doesn't hear her phone or doesn't have her with her. We'll get back to that in a second. Um, and he turns on the TV. And this is where we start to get all the uh, COVID similarities because on the TV, there's a newscast where um, the, uh, the, the, the newscaster is interviewing a doctor. And and he basically says, doctor, why should we believe you that, you know, this virus is a problem? I mean, we have zero deaths. As of that morning, there were zero deaths of what was called the Alvin virus. I believe they called it the Alvin virus in the movie. Um, and the doctor is basically like, well, it's not that anything has already happened. It's just that this virus has the potential to mutate. Based on the protein strains in the virus, I've never seen the potential to mutate like this before. And he literally is, you know, telling them, yes, nothing has happened yet. But literally at the snap of a finger, this entire city could be aflame. And ha, guess he was right. <laughs> so, and then the newscast ends. And just as Jim turns off his TV, he realizes there's someone standing behind him. He turns around, and it's Mr. Lin, his neighbor from next door, but of course at this point, Mr. Lin's eyes are now completely black and red, and he's got that grin on his face, and he like instantly just starts talking about all the vile sexual shit that he's going to do to Jim's girlfriend or fiance, whatever she is. But yeah, just like unapologetically just starts talking about how he's going to finger her for Jim like, oh, Jim, don't worry, you won't have to do it anymore. I'll finger her for you. It's like, like, literally, like, they're just having a normal conversation, but they're saying the most vile thing. Uh, oh, God, God damn it, this movie. Okay. uh they end up getting into a fight uh mr lynn ends up attacking jim with uh shear with a garden shears like a pair of garden shears those big ones um think of the burning think of the famous scene from the burning and you know what i'm talking about um they get into a struggle uh jim is able to stop mr lynn from you know cutting off his head with those garden shears Uh, But what ends up happening is Jim accidentally gets two of his fingers in between the blades, and you kind of see Mr. Lin notice that. Like, he looks down, and he's like, oh, look at where your fingers are. And then Snap just closes the garden shears, and two of Jim's fingers just go flying up in the air. They land on the ground. Mr. Lin grabs one of them and just puts it in his mouth and starts chewing it. Mind you, these infected are not flesh eaters. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that he was doing this more for effect because he put it in his mouth. He chewed it for a couple of chews and then he spits it into the fish tank where then the fish starts eating part of Jim's finger. I'm sorry. I know it's unintentional comedy, but I still found it fucking funny. Um And, uh, he's able to subdue Mr. Lynn by smashing him in the head with a toaster. He does not kill Mr. Lynn because as soon as he notices, uh, him start to get up, he then runs out of his apartment. And basically at that point, uh, we're done spending time with Jim, maybe not done, but done for at least the first couple of acts. And now we are reunited with Kat and what we see is Kat getting on the subway, um, Jumping. um, Oh, and actually, before the subway scene, I I, I still have to point out, this movie has one of the coolest suicides I've ever seen. Now, I don't know if it was a suicide or if maybe one of the infected threw somebody off a building, but it was one of the coolest fucking bodies. It was not a Universal Studios dummy death by any stretch. This was fucking awesome. No cut either. Literally, we see someone jump or get thrown off a building. The camera follows them all the way down. Down To splat until they hit the ground So again kudos for that Practically a throwaway scene In this movie but In any other movie it's just something That we would be talking about a lot But yeah it's just another scene for the sadness Which just makes this movie fucking amazing Okay um, I forgot to mention While Jim is in his apartment He's flipping through the channels On his TV before he gets to the newscast And everything is on the emergency broadcast system. You know, the the red screen telling you to wait for instructions. Finally, he finds a channel that's actually playing a cartoon. Did you guys notice that cartoon? It's basically just a wolf chasing three girls dressed as lambs. It seems harmless at first, but then when Jim gets up off the couch and walks away, did you keep watching the cartoon? It's a fucking porn. Really? Yeah, the wolf is fucking those three girls. Not in the scene, uh, in the shot when it's close up on the television, but next time you watch it, when Jim gets up off the couch and walks towards his kitchen, keep watching the television. It's straight up an unedited porn. Like, we see the wolf's dick going in and out of the girls and everything. Holy it is, sh- Dude, I'm dead serious. you got to watch it. It is amazing. I'm like, and, and then I'm thinking, is this actually airing in Taiwan, or is this like... Jim may be starting to succumb to the virus. Hmm. We'll see. Okay. So, yeah, that cartoon is fucking awesome. A- at this point, um, actually, this happens right before Mr. Lin attacks Jim. We hear uh, one of those public service announcements, but not, like, um, on TV, but, like, you know how you get the air raid siren uh, sometimes? I'm obviously not in America, but you know when when a country's being attacked by another you know country they'll have the air raid sirens telling their um their citizens to get inside basically an official a city official of some kind gets on the intercom that you know the the that that covers the whole city And he just starts talking again, starts talking the most vile shit, talking about how he's going to kill. I'm going to kill every man that I run into. I'm going to break every fucking bone in your body. And if I run into any women, I'm going to rape you to death. I'm going to just the shit that he's saying. And this is over a loudspeaker, like over out in public. And so everyone in the city is hearing this. And I'm just like, what a fucking beautiful touch, you know, something that you wouldn't expect. Uh, but there it is, a public service announcement telling you that he's going to kill you as soon as he gets a hold of you. Yeah, pretty fucking awesome. OK. Then we get to Kat. And as we see Kat enter a subway train, we see her set uh, sit next to an older businessman, an older, you know, what looks like a prim, proper gentleman. Um, but then as the train ride goes along, he kind of starts. Almost hitting on Kat, basically says, you know, how beautiful you are. Oh, you're you know, first. He brings up the fact that she's reading a book and talks about how no one reads books on the train anymore. Everybody's connected to their phones, blah, blah, blah. And then he starts trying to have a conversation with her, like, what are you reading? What's it about? And she politely looks at him and says, sir, you know, I, I appreciate you being friendly, but I'd really like to concentrate on my book right now. You know, about as polite as someone can be. And then you start to see his mood change. You start to see him talk about how, oh, young people these days, they have no appreciation for compliments, blah, blah, blah. You know, stupid women, you know, who the fuck do you think she is? And, you know, literally murmuring to himself. At this point, a, a an overweight girl kind of gets on the train. Kat gives the overweight girl her seat. Obviously, she doesn't want to sit next to this creeper anymore. But as soon as cat stands up and the and the fat girl is now sitting next to the businessman, we see another guy enter the train with sunglasses on. He's got sunglasses on. He's not with anybody. He's not speaking. Then the camera zooms in on his face and what we see is a single tear fall from one of his eyes. <laughs> and what we <laughs> what we come to find out is that tear is the first sign that these people are about to fucking go crazy. Um... After that one tear falls, he literally out of nowhere just pulls out like a hunting knife and just starts stabbing everyone on the train. I mean, (laughs) I thought and I can't control our laughter. I'm sorry, but this scene is fucking masterful. He's just stabbing people left and right. Men, women, children. Doesn't fucking matter. He's just stab, 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 stab. Finally, they subdue him. And what's the first thing he says? Did I break the world record? Does anyone know if I broke the world record? This guy is fucking concerned with the fucking world record of killing people. Oh, oh! I love this
0: goddamn movie. I'm I'm saying this guy. No, this guy is probably this guy's my second favorite, uh, just after the businessman. I just, oh god, the glee that he has when he shouts that line. Did I break the record? Did I break the record? Did I break the record? It's like, god.
2: Oh, God. And his sunglasses never fall off either. He's got the sunglasses. I don't know what it is, but something about him covered in blood with the sunglasses on made me think of Bill Paxton in Near Dark. Um, for those who have seen Near Dark, you remember the scene where Bill Paxton kind of is set on fire. And then for the rest of the movie, he's just kind of a charred mess. But he's still wearing sunglasses That's what this guy reminded me of Bill Paxton in Near Dark So yeah. And if you haven't seen Near Dark And you like vampire movies What the fuck is wrong with you Go see that movie It's awesome Anyway Um, And then after they finally are able to subdue The original attacker Someone else on the train Just starts stabbing people for no reason And uh, a couple more people on the train Are able to subdue him So now there's two people being subdued And then our businessman comes back and what he does is he comes, he stands right in front of the fat girl and literally the camera slowly zooms up to show his gigantic shit eating grin and his black fucking eyes, which just holy shit. I mean, if you see the, the cover image of this movie. You know how fucking terrifying this businessman is. I mean, when he's alive, he looks like this meek, you know, just kind of older, thin gentleman that doesn't look like he would be a threat to anybody. But then as soon as he is infected, he turns into fucking super zombie. Uh, just ridiculous strength, ridiculous. And, and like I said, again, I'm going to be saying it a lot throughout the movie, the shit that comes out of his mouth. Holy <laughs> God damn. <laughs> like, Good Christian people should never, ever watch this movie. Just avoid it at all costs, my friends, because you're going to go to hell. I assure you, me and Don are going straight to hell for enjoying this movie so much, and I don't care. I will do it with a smile on my face, much like our antagonists here. So, <laughs> And I'll be right behind you, passing out. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Oh, my God. Um. Uh. So our... Our infected businessman, I forget his exact line, but he says something to the girl. Uh, Oh, I think he calls her, excuse my French, a fat cunt. He says, You fucking fat cunt. And then he stabs her in the eye with his umbrella. Once again, no cut, one shot, boom, right in. The shot holds on the umbrella in her eye, and in her eye, yeah. And then he pulls it out. This is all one shot, my friends. No cuts. Nah, this movie is unflinching. They don't give a shit about your sensibilities. They're trying to make you as uncomfortable as possible, and I love it for that. So, yeah, so now our fat girl, who's – I don't know if we even get her name at any point in the movie. Um,
0: uh, she says it once when they arrive at the hospital, I okay. think. Yeah, I don't remember. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. she
2: ends up being a really cool character, too, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Um. <laughs> So at this point, she, her eye has been stabbed or basically poked out with the umbrella and Kat, you know, sees this and she, she helps the fat girl basically get off the train. Um, At this point, more people are becoming infected. More people are attacking the uninfected. Finally, the train arrives at a station and the doors open and we see all the uninfected people come rushing out of the train, just, you know, terrified and screaming Uh, We see everybody run in one direction, but Kat and the fat girl end up going in a different direction. I guess they just don't want to go with the masses, or maybe she thinks she knows another way out of the station. So they're walking around the station. Kat is helping the fat girl walk to, you know, make sure that she gets out. And, of course, our businessman catches up. And when our businessman catches up, uh, the two girls, Kat and the fat girl, have met this well-built young guy. I mean, he could be like a young bodybuilder. You know, he's in really good shape. They scream to him that, you know, they're being chased. He's trying to kill them, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, this guy doesn't seem to know what's going on outside yet because he's completely clueless to, you know, what the girls are saying. But then suddenly our businessman turns the corner And we see, you know, our young tough guy, of course, do his thing, act tough, try to, you know, get the upper hand on the old man. But then the old, uh, again, I wish I would have wrote down more of these lines because he says something to the young guy that, again, made me jump off the couch. It was so fucking gross. Uh, And then, of course, he ends up, um, oh, he ends up seeing an axe, like a fire axe in like one of those emergency panels. (sighs) And he grabs that axe and that becomes his weapon for the rest of the movie. And thank God it is because he uses that thing with absolute perfection. But we'll get to that. Um, And so our young bodybuilder type is, of course, dispatched. And our girls continue trying to run away from the businessman. Now, the businessman isn't running. He's got this Jason Voorhees attitude where he's like, "Eh, I'll catch up to you when I catch up to you. You know, he's not concerned with chasing you necessarily. Finally, uh, the girls are able to find an exit. They, they, they get to a tunnel that looks like it leads outside of the train station. but at the, And it's pretty long. It's probably, I, I don't know, maybe an eighth of a mile long. It's a few hundred yards. And at the end of the tunnel, they see a security guard. And they start screaming to the security guard for help. Please help us. Please help us. Instead of helping, the guard goes and starts to close the gate. And then we get our Indiana Jones scene, of course, where the girls are running or trying to run because don't forget, you know, the the fat girl had her eye poked out. So she's not exactly running so much as cat is kind of helping her walk. They get that scene where, you know, the Indiana Jones scene, where they get to it, they make it underneath the doors just in the nick of time, just before um, uh, the businessman gets catches up to them, And in, one of my favorite moments in the movie that doesn't even have to do with horror. The fat girl literally punches the security guard in the fucking mouth and breaks his nose. I thought it was spectacular. <laughs> I just it, it, It's just one of those things I didn't expect. Like I expected cat to be mad enough to punch him, but this, you know, this, Quiet little demure you know fat girl that's been quiet and you know basically not trying to bother anybody literally just rears back and punches the shit out of the security guard, so yeah, that was pretty awesome. Um they ask where the hospital is, the security guard lets them know where the hospital is, kind of points the direction, they then go to the hospital. unfortunately, um the hospital, the emergency room of the hospital has been overrun. So there's people in the waiting room waiting to get in, but they're basically being quarantined in there since none of them are infected and infected have actually gotten into the emergency room proper. They're kind of keeping everyone in there. They're bringing doctors into that room to look at people as their injuries, as they come in with injuries. Obviously the doctor looks at the fat girl, sees that her eye is fucking missing and uh, rushes her into um, a room uh, to get her prepped and everything. And as they pull her away, Kat and the girl have a, a nice little emotional moment where uh, where she kind of says, thank you so much. Thank you for saving my life. No one else would have ever done that for me. You know, I'm just a quiet fat girl that nobody acknowledges, but you took it upon yourself to help me. I'll never forget you. It's, it's actually a pretty good moment considering the amount of time that we've spent with these two characters. And then at that point, they go their separate ways. The fat girl is brought into the hospital proper to be to have her wounds tended to. And Kat goes back to the waiting room because, you know, they're not being allowed to leave. While they're in the waiting room, (laughs) they get a a presidential announcement. Basically, the president of China comes on the television uh, having a press conference. And um, the press conference starts with like a general. I'm not sure what the exact title of the person is, but he's like a high ranking official. And he's the one who introduces the president, you know, and the president comes on, lets them know, you know, we're not 100 percent sure if this is the Alvin virus, but it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. It seemed like he was being somewhat honest, letting people know that I we don't know what's happening, but there's obviously something happening. Normal people are turning into homicidal maniacs. So, and it's not just strangers, it potentially could be your own family members. So just be weary, be aware, uh, aware of your surroundings and blah, 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 you know, the, the kind of basic, you know, we're in this together type speech that, you know, any official might give in this situation. Uh, Then the president steps away from the mic and the commander or or general, whatever you want to call this guy, he doesn't have a military outfit on. So I'm assuming he's some kind of general. um, Basically starts reiterating what the president said, saying, you know, we have we have to make sure. Excuse me. We have to make sure that we're vigilant, that we protect ourselves, that we protect our family members, um, you know, wear masks, uh, blah, 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 you know, try to prevent the virus but then you start to see uh his mood kind of start to change maybe not his mood but just how he's speaking it starts to slow down a little bit then the camera pans back to the hospital where everybody's kind of staring at the television we see a couple of guys say ah what the fuck the government's no you know no help to us just like usual blah 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 then the camera goes back to the press conference and we see the camera pan up on the general or commander, whoever he is, and that's and then we see the single tear, the single tear drop that lets see you know shit's about to go down. And what happens? As soon as that single tear falls on his face, his eyes turn black, he suddenly has a shit-eating grin on his face, and he literally attacks the president of China on live television. He grabs the president um doesn't like try to rip any flesh off or anything. He literally grabs the president in like a chokehold. He pulls out one of his own grenades. The, the general pulls out a grenade, pulls the pin, shoves it inside the president's mouth, and then holds the president up. So that he's literally facing the camera and we get, my friends, if you thought the exploding head and scanners was something, holy shit, you need to see this one. This was fucking awesome. (laughs) Just a grenade in the mouth head explosion. Nothing that we haven't seen before, but just the fact that this is the Chinese president on live television and this is happening to him. Yeah, the stakes have suddenly been raised and I, I can't say enough good things about this as soon as the press conference is over like as soon as the president's head explodes um, obviously they cut off the press conference it's back to the uh, emergency broadcast system and then everybody in the uh, in the waiting room starts getting kind of restless and violent even like, like two of the guys in the in the room actually start you know go, start fighting each other obviously as as the movie viewer we think that one of them must be infected but no it's just it's just frustration uh, these two guys start you know, just punching each other. The one security guard that's there who actually has a gun uh, pulls his weapon out and, you know, tells everyone, back up, just everyone calm down. No one is leaving. We need to remain calm and, you know, see what's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. At this point, we see Kat kind of look towards the door behind the security guard. Then we see the, the security guard slowly move off to his right and standing right behind him outside the door is our businessman with his goddamn evil grin on his face, just staring inside. I will say that the businessman actually smiles the least in this movie. Like, there's multiple scenes where the businessman isn't smiling, and I'm not sure if that's even creepier or not, but it's pretty heavy. Um, okay, so hospital... Uh, Yeah, hospital scene, uh, the the businessman uses his axe, which, of course, he still has. He breaks through the door, uh, the glass door, and in the same motion of breaking the glass door, he plants the axe into the security guard's back. Of course, he's the only one who has a weapon in that room. So he basically, as soon as he smashes the door, about a half dozen to a dozen infected just come running in behind the businessman and just start taking everybody out. Once everybody in the um, waiting room is kind of dead, uh, the businessman or infected, uh, the businessman gets up and starts walking around the hospital. And yeah, I, I can already see Don's smile forming on his face. Uh <laughs> he ends up uh, the businessman ends up finding our fat girl the girl who had her eye poked out earlier in the film by the same character and he and this time you know she's wearing a neck brace the eye has been dressed so she's got a fresh bandage on it but then he comes over she's she's in a wheelchair obviously not able to move or at least not willing to and the businessman just kind of looks at her and goes oh look at you how how lucky that I ran into you. And then he starts, you know, he starts kind of looking at her eye and he's like, ah, oh, well, I want the other girl more, but I think you'll do for now. And this is it. My friends, he pulls the eye bandage off the girl's head. He takes his pants off and insert dick into eye socket. My friends an actual skull fucking in this movie. <laughs> Oh, my God. I mean, let me tell you, if you haven't turned off this podcast by now, then you are one of my people. I just, I'm pretty sure it's just that the things that we've described in this movie would be enough to turn off most genre fans. But yeah, holy shit. Skull fuck <laughs> And unfortunately, it's, it's not like we actually see the insertion, but we get the sound effects. And I think mm. the sound effects <laughs> might
0: be fucking worse. To hear. Oh, the gosh, it, ah. it, that, moist, that moistness, that squishing sounds. Ah. <laughs> gosh, damn it. Ah. The whole time, the fat
2: girl screaming. She's just screaming at the top of her lungs. Um, obviously, we're only the shot that we see is from the from the businessman's waist up. And you just see the look of ecstasy on his face as he's pumping in and out. And I got
0: got to say, I I almost had a Mandela effect about the about this, because I, for a long time, thought at that point, he said, finally, one of your holes is going to be useful for something. Yes,
2: that's right. God damn this guy. So after that spectacular scene of just absolute debauchery, we actually get a little bit of a respite in this movie. And that's one of the things I kind of like about this movie is where they kind of put their slower scenes. Because a lot of times it feels like, um, especially in the second half of the film, when there's a major scene of gore or violence or something, Um, We get a little bit of a quiet scene, almost like a chance to catch your breath, which I I actually appreciate that because an hour and 40 minutes of just nonstop, you know, ridiculous zombie action is going to get exhausting. So um, after our (laughs) little uh, skull love scene, we move on to a scene where Kat and Jim are finally able to connect with each other on cell phones. Um, Kat is able to get a hold of Jim. Uh, She's using the security guard's phone that she took um, earlier in the hospital scene. And she finally gets a hold of Jim, lets Jim know where she is. And, uh, you know, uh, that she's not hurt, she's not injured, you know, that she's not feeling poorly or anything. So, you know, everything is good with her. And Jim does something that I absolutely fucking love. It's just it's a simple little thing that most people probably won't even notice. But I I just absolutely love this because, again, it kind of points to being grounded in reality and a little bit of realism right at the end of the conversation. Jim actually tells Kat put the phone on silent and I'll be there as soon as I can. How many other guys in that situation are going to think about that, that she's carrying a phone that she doesn't own and that potentially the ringing of that phone could give away her position or, you know, get her killed or whatever. I I know it's just a silly throwaway line, but exactly. It's fucking smart. And I I'm giving this movie its credit because most people aren't going to think of that, and, and that little throwaway line just makes me love this movie even more. I know it's
0: a silly thing to point out, but I don't care. Um, well, if, no, because not, well, because nine times out of ten, that's going to come into play later on because dumbass never turned the phone off, and exactly, bam, there's yeah. the and you know that's going to you know put her in danger later on. So yeah, that's you know yeah. that it plays into that kind of you know stereotype where you know ringing phone five yeah. minutes for the conversation puts her in danger and you know how easy was it to bypass that by doing what he did and just saying put it on mute or silent or whatever exactly uh,
2: I, <laughs> with one line uh they're able to avoid one of the true you know one of the many tropes that i can't stand we all know how much i love horror tropes so yeah uh, just that tiny little two second line just made me smile ear to ear among the millions of things in this movie that are making me smile. So anyway, um, after Jim and cat hang up the phone, Jim starts to have these weird hallucinations. He, th- there's a scene where he sees a mannequin head kind of floating in a reflecting pool uh, near the hospital or not near the hospital, but near where he is. And literally the head, the mannequin head comes to life. Um, in his perception, obviously. And it looks exactly like, you know, our infected folks here with the the crazy grin, the black tongue, the black eyes. And and then he just kind of snaps out of it. And when he snaps out of it, what do we see? A single tear fall down his face. Now, obviously, you know, we're, we're going to make the assumption that the virus potentially has affected him, infected him. Um, but it could also just be that he's, you know, seeing things and he's kind of freaked out about it. So it could legitimately have an actual tear. So who knows? But that is what we see. OK, uh, after this, my God, folks, it, it, it just seems like every time there's a crazy scene, it just gets repl- it, 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 the very next scene gets even crazier. And, and how do, how are we going to top a skull fucking? Um, how about an infected orgy? Yes. At one point in the film, our our little security guard uh, douchebag who closed the gate on our two heroines runs into an orgy of just blood and flesh. And it, it's literally, it's almost Lovecraftian. It's almost something that you would see in the thing. Cause it's literally there. It's like five or six people all in a pile covered in blood, just gleefully just fucking the hell out of each other. And, it just adds to the craziness of this film. As
1: soon as yeah. our, <laughs> I, I was gonna say, I think that's, that's what kind of sets this apart from similar movies is kind of like the. Yes, they're they've gone crazy, but they're still cognitive function, and it's like the gleeful nature of what they're doing. Like it's not like a, a 28 days later rage virus where it's just taken them over so much that. You know, they're just simply in a state of madness and rage the whole time. Like these these guys, yes, they're crazy with what they're doing, but it's like they're glad to be doing it. And they get glee out of the sadisticness and the overt sexualization, which m- w- makes me wonder if there's some type of like social commentary going on there. Um, you know, I, I don't know if they're trying to say toxic masculinity. I don't know if it's like a pushback. Um supposed to be like, you know, some commentary on pushback from uh like pandemic measures mm-hmm. or in this this one's more like a plague more than a pandemic as far as how severe it is. But it, it seems like there could be something going on there because it seems like Uh, purposeful thing to put that kind of stuff in there as rather than just make them like dumb mindless, like rage monsters. Right.
2: Exactly. That's, that's one of the biggest reasons why I have a problem calling this a zombie movie. Um, Just like, you know, I I've already discussed about, you know, what I consider a zombie, but in this movie, even, even more so than like a 28 days later, uh, besides the fact that these zombies actually speak, they retain their memories. They know who they are. They know who other people are. I mean, they actually, you know, our businessman remembers the fat girl and says, oh, where's your pretty little friend? I mean, th- th- this is why I have a major problem calling this a zombie movie. I'm not, Like I said, I'm never going to argue with anyone who calls it that. I mean, the trailer calls it that. So, you know, that's fine, but... There, it, this is just so much beyond a zombie or infected film that you know. I, I really hope that people don't pigeonhole this film. There, this film has a lot more to say than you know. People, some people want to give it credit for. Let, let's just say that. So yeah, I, I, I'm with Mike. There is probably a lot more subtext in this than we're even you know recognizing. Part of it is probably just because of how happy I am watching the film. I'm just not looking for subtext. I'm enjoying what what's on the screen so heavily that, yeah, I'm just not thinking about commentary. But, yeah, I guarantee you. Yeah, pl- really, plus, sometimes,
1: huh? sometimes when it comes to, like, foreign movies, there's also cultural stuff that's hard to pinpoint from, like, the American, <laughs> American movies. So that's why I more speculate than – I, I'm not making absolute statements, like, because sure. I'm viewing it through, you know, an American POV of like, if this was happening in here, what could the commentary be? But sure. as far as like um, the culture of a different country, they could be touching on that or relating to it, but but also taking on a completely different, you know, thing or mm-hmm. commentary behind what we're seeing on the screen. Exactly. Yeah.
2: All right. So after our little wormy security guard sees his little infected orgy, um, he runs away or, or he tries to run away in the hopes of not getting their attention. Uh, unfortunately, when he turns the corner, uh, he guess who he runs into. He runs into our fat girl. Yes. Fresh, fresh from her skull fucking. And she is now very obviously infected. She's got the smile, the black eyes. In fact, she's decimating someone's head when he, they, he actually runs into her to the point where it actually looks like she might be eating part of the head. She actually spits something out of her mouth. Um, she instantly recognizes the guard. And this is what I mean about calling these things zombies. I mean, she instantly recognizes them. She calls them a little worm. She you know She looks at him and says, oh, it's my little worm. Hello, how are you? And she starts talking about how in life she had a lot of problems making friends because, you know, she's a big girl. She's not very pretty. She's not very confident. And, you know, she just doesn't make friends. And then she's like, but I just now realized that you just have to pick the right friends and then everything will be fine. And as soon as she says that, like a fucking horde, at least a half dozen uh, infected just come out of the woodwork and just surround a uh, little worm. I'm just going to call him little worm for the rest of the night because i like that uh description um and they're basically holding down a uh, little worm see again they're they're showing intelligence they know that this girl wants revenge against little Worm, so not a one of them is actively attacking him yet and what she does is she picks up a bone saw um, which of course they're in a hospital, so it makes sense that there's a bone saw there. And, she, and unfortunately, we don't really get to see how what she actually does with the bone saw. Uh, it looks like she, you know, attacks his midsection while he's being held down by the other infected. Blood and flesh and guts are being sprayed all over the place. And then basically, as soon as you know our, our fat girl starts cutting little worm up, the rest of the zombies start. Just decimating his body, pulling his eyeballs out, tearing at his neck. Just, you know, one of those great, great, you know, like Dawn of the Dead or Day of the Dead, you know, rip aparts that we love, no one loves so much. So, um, another, just another incredibly satisfying kill. Um, plus, for the character that it's occurring to as well, you know, it's just kind of a guilty pleasure. So, there you go. After this, um, we are back to Cat. Cat is running around the hospital. Unfortunately, the horde has kind of found her location. She's running around trying to get away from them. And she ends up getting into a hallway where she's able to barricade the doors on either end of the hallway. Unfortunately, the horde starts banging down one of the doors and right at the front of the door as it's opening is our businessman. And he's literally and of course, he's spitting out his piss and vinegar talking about, oh, no, no, I haven't forgotten about you. I'm still going to fuck you to death, my my dear. You know, it just, you know, again, just gleefully cringeworthy. And uh, they end up having an altercation. He's chasing her down a hallway Um, At one point, she's able to hide and grab a fire extinguisher with and then with said fire extinguisher, she sprays it in the businessman's face. So he kind of loses sight of her. And before he's able to catch sight of her again, she absolutely smashes the shit out of him on the side of the head with the fire extinguisher. Then she straddles him and she hits him with the fire extinguisher at full force only twice. Now, folks, you know me. You know the way I am. I I, I fucking hate when people are allowed to monologue or, you know, weapon droppers. And she stops hitting him after, like, two smashes with the fire extinguisher. And then he has his departing line, I guess you could call it, where he says, um, Oh, I know you. You're just like me. You're sick and twisted just like me. You just won't admit it. And then I forget like, specifically what his his actual last words are. And then at that point, she just starts smashing the shit out of his head with the fire extinguisher. My friends, she has to hit him close to two dozen fucking times. And every time she lifts up that fire extinguisher and brings it back down, I love her even more. I am just so happy to finally see a horror heroine just not even give a shit about... You know how society might look at her, or you know her perception of death and murder. No, she knows that this piece of shit has been stalking her for the for most of this day. She finally gets the upper hand on him, and she leaves his head a fucking mound of flesh. Ah, oh, uh, just a, another great kill. And and yes, we do get to see it, my friends, in all its glory.
1: <laughs> yeah, if you're gonna take out like your kind of main baddie, there, that's the way you want them to go out. You know, nothing cheap, nothing easy, definitely not off screen. And uh, it was vicious. It was
2: vicious, satisfying, glorious. I mean, there are so many adjectives we can put on this scene. But, yeah. Um, Yeah.
1: And to me, this this is the type of thing where like kids, I I did hear some criticism of uh, X, Ty West X, uh that like some of the kills were a little tame or soft or not that great. And then maybe half off screen or whatever. So I'm like, okay, we'll throw this one on then. Cause uh, (laughs) they don't pull any punches with this. one.
2: What's funny is that those same people that are complaining about X having a lack of gore are probably going to watch this movie and say, Oh, it's too over the top. It's too much. You know, it's like, well, you can't, you can't satisfy some people. And I'm only saying that because over the last couple of days, I have gone online and listen to podcasts and listen and watch some youtube horror movie reviewers talk about this movie and my friends most of the american sites that i'm running into are not liking the sadness they are they're actually putting this movie down they're condemning it for its level of depravity um you know for some of the obvious just awful shit that we've already talked about and then some of the awful shit that we have yet to talk about um and and that's so sad to me, <laughs> no pun intended, since we are reviewing the sadness. But really, to, to see a horror fan, uh, someone who considers themselves a horror fan, review this movie and then just condemn it because they couldn't handle the level of violence in it, it that's really frustrating to me. Um, be objective. Give your opinion. Yes. Say things like, it didn't work for me. I couldn't handle it. Hell, If a reviewer were to come out and say they couldn't even finish the movie but still did a review for it, I would still have 100% respect for that podcaster because they were true to themselves. But then come out and give an honest and somewhat objective review of it. Don't just condemn it. One YouTuber in general who I will never watch one of her fucking videos again. I'm not going to bring her up here because I don't want to get accused of flaming anybody. But... She literally went so far as to say anybody who likes the sadness uh, just is a sick and twisted person who I don't want to associate with. Those were almost her exact fucking words. That is frustrating, my friends. This woman calls herself a horror fan, a horror aficionado, uh, a, a horror reviewer. And then just because there's a level of violence and depravity in a movie that she can't handle, those of us who enjoyed it, we're the ones who have the problem. Yeah, that that sounds quite uh, accurate to me. And, and, you know, like I said, I'm not going to sit here and talk about, oh, she loses horror cred, in my opinion, or, you know, anything like that. Everyone is entitled to their opinion, and that's fine. But when you're going to condemn a piece of art just because you personally couldn't handle it, and then actively tell your listeners, oh, don't watch this. This movie offers no value whatsoever. Nah, nah, fuck you. Just absolutely fuck you straight in the face. I, I don't I don't like that. I, you know, like I said, be yeah. honest, give your own opinion. Thanks. Like if Mike would have came here and said he hated this movie, I at least I know Mike's not going to sit here and try to tell people not to watch it or c- to condemn the movie as a piece of trash. You know, I, I that this is why I work with the podcasters that I work with none of us are a hundred percent objective. It's incredibly hard to be, but at least we try to be. And as much as I've talked about, Some of the movies that I've hated over the years and longtime listeners know, you know, episodes like Greta, um, Black Christmas 2019, where I've just gone completely crazy. I still would never say, don't watch this movie. This movie has no value. Or if you like this movie, you're an idiot. Like statements like that will never leave my lips. And, you know, fans, listeners hold me to that because, you know, it's something I take a little bit of pride in. And yeah. I I just can't.
1: There's a difference when something's not someone's personal cup of tea, and saying anyone who likes it, there's something wrong with them.
2: Yeah, I mean, we had this all about ten years ago with the Serbian film, a Serbian film. It's the exact same thing. People can't get past the debauchery of the film. So they just condemn it, but then don't recognize the masterful filmmaking because it's the same. I have the same opinion of a Serbian film, a Serbian film. If you can get past the awful, awful shit that happens in that movie, it's a beautiful film. It actually makes Serbia look somewhat nice. Beautiful filmmaking, nice cinematography, a great score. Pretty much the same things I've said about this movie. But again, I've had people literally tell me I'm sick for enjoying that movie. And it's like, I, I don't see, you know, it's entertainment, it's art, it's fiction. I don't understand why that makes me sick or why someone doesn't want to associate with me anymore because of it. It just, that, that really bothers me. That, that kind of hypocrisy just bugs me because I mean, these horror fans, these horror reviewers, they're saying this without even the slightest bit of irony that our genre has been treated like this for it, since its inception. I mean think about the 20s and 30s, you know, Hollywood, they looked down at horror films. It was always the B movie, the 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 silly thing that an actor did if they had the time or needed money. You know, it wasn't until maybe the 60s or the 70s where horror was really being recognized as a legitimate filmmaking technique. And I am incredibly sorry I've gone off on this tangent folks. I just realized that yeah, I haven't spoken anything about the sadness in like 10 minutes. I genuinely apologize, but Like I said, some of the reviews that I've watched for this are are just disheartening. They're disappointing that, you know, they're sad. It it just makes me really sad to think that there's people like this out there. But whatever. So. So, okay, back to our glorious movie (laughs) Um, after Kat finally dispatches the businessman and literally just leaves him a mound of flesh on the floor. A door suddenly opens right next to her, right next to the businessman's body. And what we see is a man in a full hazard suit, like a hazmat suit, completely covered up. Um, And he basically pulls a gun on Kat and forces her to come into the room. He chains her up to a shower and then like kind of forces her to wash all the blood and tissue off of her that she has on her. Then, you know, once she's chained up and under the water, then in his infinite wisdom, he decides to tell her, oh, by the way, I'm a virologist. I'm studying the virus. You know, I'm trying to find people that are immune so that, you know, potentially we could use their blood to create a serum or a vaccine or whatever the case may be. Um, I've heard a lot of people talk about this scene kind of bringing the movie down or kind of halting the action to a complete stop. Um, and I can see that point. If if you feel that way, fine. I'm not going to argue with you. But don't forget, we just had our big bad killed. Our big bad was just smashed in epically glorious fashion. I need a breath. <laughs> I was laughing and cheering so goddamn hard during that scene. I need a break. So the filmmaker gives us this little scene where a virologist basically lets Cat know, you know, that he's been looking at the virus, that he knew... Something was going to happen. Oh, and then when he when the virologist takes his mask off, guess who? guess who it is. It's the guy from the newscast earlier or the Internet cast that uh, that Jim was watching on his phone that that where he was talking about, oh, I think this virus is going to mutate. It has uh, the most similarities to rabies. And, you know, we need to take this seriously. And of course, the host of the show is kind of, you know, making fun of them. You know, why should we believe you? No, There have been no deaths. There have been no reported cases, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so our virologist basically forces Kat to take an injection. Against her will, he injects her with the Alvin virus, with the strain of the virus that's turning people um, into Um, You know, the infected monsters that they are now. Um, He decides to do this because when she walks into the room, she's completely covered in blood, the businessman's blood and guts and hair and everything else, and she's just covered in it. And he has the idea that, oh, well, she hasn't turned yet, so maybe she's immune. So he decides to give her a shot of the virus directly into her neck. And then basically says, well, I'm going to give you a couple of minutes. If you haven't turned, then you and I are going to take a helicopter and get out of here and get to a medical facility so that they can synthesize some kind of vaccine from blood. Or if you do turn, then I'm very sorry, but I'll have to kill you. And we wait a couple of minutes and he's talking, you know, kind of back and forth, talking about what his plan is and blah, blah, blah. And while he's doing this, Kat still has her phone with her. Even though he stripped her of her clothes, she somehow cleverly was able to hold on to the phone that she stole from Little Worm. And she's able to send a text to Jim, basically letting him know, um, I'm in the hospital. I'm in the maternity ward. There is a virologist here holding me hostage. Be careful. He has a gun. And then what we see, we don't actually see Jim's upper body. All we see is his lower body. And and what we see is he drops the phone. He just drops it on the ground into a puddle and starts walking towards the hospital. We see the hospital in the foreground of the shot, um, which seems odd that he would just drop his phone and, you know, go into the hospital. But, you know, we can assume that he's concerned for his girl and wants to get in there as quickly as possible, whatever the case may be. Um So basically after uh, after the virologist realizes that she's not going to turn and that she is immune to the virus, uh, that's when he makes the decision, you know, okay, we're going to we're going to have to get out of here and, uh, you know, synthesize a a vaccine from your blood, blah, blah, blah. And he ends up letting her go uh, and basically leading her. It's still at gunpoint, by the way. Oh, and I forgot to mention, he does mention that the gun uh, it's 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 a three d printed gun, so it's not like an actual all metal you know handgun. it's three d printed It still works, mind you, he does use it a couple of times, but I did want to put that point out there for uh the next scene <laughs> um, so, like I said, he is a leading cat out of the maternity ward oh oh god i I skipped the fucking infected baby, which is goddamn nightmare fuel um yeah, during this scene with the virologist they actually they actually find out that he killed all the babies in the maternity ward because the infected were going, were trying to break into the maternity ward to basically kill and, you know, do whatever, whatever awful thing their minds thought of to these babies. He claims that he killed them all to put them out of their misery because the infected would have done much, much worse things to them. But at one point when Kat takes her clothes off and puts them in like, uh, you know, one of those, uh, contamination bags Biohagard- something is uh, yeah biohazard bags things, yeah. exactly uh, human waste human you know tissue blah 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 she opens it she put, to put her clothes in there and there's something moving in there and she starts to realize oh shit i'm in the maternity ward <laughs> she goes into the in into the basket moves the clothes and we see an infected baby and i don't know about you guys but that image of that baby fucking affected me um you guys remember earlier in the episode i talked about happy puppet syndrome please do not look it up um that baby was a perfect example of what real life happy puppet syndrome looks like and my friends it it affected me i actually paused the movie this last time i watched it when that image came by because it's not the most it's not going to work for everybody i understand that but it 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 affected me greatly what were you going to say mike
1: No, I was just like, yeah, yeah, Uh, it it definitely affected (laughs) me seeing that baby. I mean, you know, compare the baby last week in Virus
2: 32, that CG monstrosity to this baby, and there's just no comparison. This baby is so much more nightmare fuel than what we got last week. Oh, and then I did forget to mention, by the way, uh, you guys remember, for those of you who were with us last week, you remember that I had a major problem with the ending of Virus 32, because as soon as they kill their big, their big bad, the movie's over. The movie literally ends. The sadness does it right. They kill the big bad. Yes. But they understand that there's more story to tell because there's still the story of Jim and Kat. You know, we still want to see them get together. We still want to see what happens when they get together. So um, kudos again to the sadness for not making the mistake. Virus 32 ended up making um, Anyway, back to the movie. Our virologist is um, leading Cat through the hallway. Cat looks down at the body of the businessman that she freshly demolished just a few minutes earlier. And she sees a blood imprint on the ground of the axe that he was carrying, the axe that he's been carrying since he got it in the subway station. Um, and she basically out loud says, where's the axe? Now, obviously, the virologist has no idea what she's talking about. And as soon as he turns around and infected, brings the axe down and literally cuts his foot in half, literally cuts the front, not just a few toes, my friend. No, cut the front half of his foot off. Uh, glorious uh, axe shot. He ends up going down on the ground. Um, He is able to get a couple of shots off with his 3D printed gun. Um, He's able to dispatch the two infected that are there that attacked him with the axe. Cat is now cat's now kind of helping him through the hall. So roles are kind of reversed now, um, you know, because he's walking around on half a foot bleeding profusely. I can't believe this guy lived as long as he did. Um, and basically, she ends up. Uh, they end up getting down to the end of the hall to a set of double doors, and the double doors violently swing open, and there's Jim, my friends. Yes, the reunion of Jim and Cat. Unfortunately, when the camera pans up, I'm sure you guessed it. Jim has that shit-eating grin on his face, and her and his eyes are completely black. And the first thing he says is, "Hey, Doc. Thanks for watching my girl." I, I, I get to fuck her now and I'm going to chop your dick off. I mean, like I said, the shit that he's infected say, it's just so off the cuff, just, you know, un, unfiltered, beyond unfiltered. <laughs> um, So after, you know, after Jim makes his infected introduction, he starts to advance on Cat and the doctor. The cat is uh, the cat. The doctor is able to get a shot off with his 3D printed gun. But Jim is able to kind of dodge the bullet partially, but it does get him in the neck a little bit. Not straight through the middle, but kind of off to the side. Um, But he's infected, so it doesn't really affect him all that much. And then the doc goes and takes another shot with his gun. And this time, uh, the gun fucking blows up in his hand. Yes, folks, 3D-printed guns apparently were not meant to be fired this many times in a row. (laughs) Go figure. I learned something. So... uh, (laughs) Jim, obviously, um, he's still carrying around his little hand sickle that he picked up earlier, and – what did he pick that up? Oh, he picked that – shit, did I skip the basketball scene?
0: I think you did. I was just about to mention that because I – I don't even remember you talking about that. Now that you say that, oh,
2: you're right. I didn't even bring that up. I mean, you know what? I, I, I'm not. I'm not even going to bring it up. On the off, off chance that someone's still listening to us and hasn't seen the movie yet, I'm going to let you experience the basketball court scene on your oh, own.
0: yeah, that's a good thing because I actually kind of like what they do with that. Yeah, um, let the whitey, Let the guy in the tidy whities be a fun little surprise. I'll just dangle that and tear it out there. Yeah, so, uh, the guy I, in the I, tidy. Whiteys, the guy in the tidy whitey should be a nice little surprise. I mean, out of everything that goes on in here, let that be a little surprise. Because now that you say that, yeah, I, I don't even remember you bringing that up. Yeah, so yeah, that's right. That's so yeah, I didn't
2: the, remember mentioning that Jim picked up that sickle, <laughs> and I think that's the scene where he did it. So yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. So the guy in the tidy whitey <sighs> let
0: that be a little surprise. There
2: you go. Enjoy. Yeah,
1: Avoiding avoid any details about it. I think that entire <laughs> sequence pretty much in cap, encapsulates, like, everything yeah. about the situation that's going on, the way things, what you initially think when he shows up and how mm-hmm. it ends up by the end of the scene. It's yeah. like, okay, now, if we didn't know before with the subway scene, uh, we we'll definitely <laughs> understand everything going on now.
2: And the scene is also great to kind of show that this virus has no rules. There is no, you know, it's not like the infected are always attacking the uninfected it's not like the infected are, you know always trying to kill sometimes they're trying to have sex sometimes they're just flat trying to have fun like they're not necessarily trying to kill or or have sex so yeah i'm gonna leave that scene untouched and you guys enjoy it, it's definitely like something i've never seen in a zombie slash infected movie i've never seen a scene like that so yeah there you go enjoy anyway back to our climax um Jim takes the sickle after the doctor's gun explodes. He takes the sickle, buries it in the doctor's neck, doesn't pull it out right away. Like, he, he he takes the time to kind of have a couple of one-liners, if you will. And and then he pulls the sickle out of his neck, and we get that glorious blood spray, you know, that arterial spray all over the place. And, yeah, our doctor has now been dispatched, and we're left with Kat and Jim. Uh, At this point, Kat is still trying to get away. She's basically, you know, a few yards ahead of Jim as he's chasing her through the hallways. She finally finds an entrance to the roof that has a locking gate behind it. Um, The gate is open when she gets there, thankfully for her. She's able to get uh, through the gate. She locks the gate behind her, and then Jim catches up, and they have uh, basically their final scene together where Jim, once again... It's like a mix. You can see where these people still know who they are and know who the other person is, because this whole conversation is a mix of, I love you. I can't live without you. I'm going to rip your tits off. I'm going to rape the shit out of you. You know what I mean? It's like equal parts love and hate. And so it's kind of, you know... Hence, again, the sadness. I, I fucking love the title of this movie. Amongst the million things about this movie I love, this title is spectacular. When you really think about what the infected are going through inside their head, the fact that they know what they're doing, they just can't stop. They have no inhibitions. You know, they, they're, they're slaves to their baser instincts. So, yeah. So, like I said, Jim and Kat have their final conversation. Um, Kat finally just says, I'm done. She says her goodbye, and we see her start to go up the stairs towards the helipad, where there should be a waiting helicopter waiting for her and the doctor. The camera then pans out to show Jim take his last breath. Of course, Jim dies with that fucking smile on his face and his black, completely black eyes, and the shot lingers on him, too. I mean, if you think a quick shot of that is uncomfortable, a lingering shot's even worse. And what we hear in the background, while the camera's just kind of zoomed in on Jim, we hear um, Kat get up to the roof, she opens the door, you hear her yell for the helicopter, but then you hear gunshots. Um, you hear like four or five gunshots, and then silence you don't hear from Kat again. So even though this movie doesn't make us watch it, at least they gave us a definitive ending to the story of Jim and Kat. You know, it's a small story within this bigger narrative of the virus that's basically taking over Taiwan. But, you know, we get that ending that at least gives us closure, whether you agree with the ending or not, whether, whether you want to believe that maybe Kat wasn't shot or, you know, whatever the case may be, but Yeah. That is the end of our film, and then we get that spectacular death metal song by Ashen or Ashen, depending on uh, how it's
1: supposed to be pronounced. And hey, that, that so that let's talk about that ending really quick. Yes. Um Do you? So I watched it. I, I watched the movie a couple times, and la, the second time, I try to pay attention to her and like between her running up the steps and when we start hearing the gunshots. So are you? Are we to take it as? She gets up there, and she actually turned, and that's where they shot her. Or she goes up there to get rescued, and they just have orders to like shoot on sight. Or is it uh, ambiguous? Or what do you think? Uh, I'm
0: shoot thinking, on sight. I'm thinking. I'm yeah. thinking, shoot I'm
2: on thinking sight. since the doctor, like it was because the doctor had called them for the ride and said that it was going to be him and another person. So when she comes out and there's she no comes doctor, out the
1: doctor. Okay. Yeah,
2: she comes out without the doctor. So it's like, is she infected? Like I don't even think the helicopter folks. Uh, the helicopter crew even took the time to find out if she was yeah. infected or not. I think once they saw one person come through that door without the doctor, fuck it, shoot him and let's get out of here. Yeah, because it was yeah, pretty quick.
0: Yeah, that was, was my. Attack. That was Isn't my it? thing with shoot on sight. Yeah, that was my it, thing. It's
2: sad. It okay. sucks. You know. I mean, obviously we're cheering. You know, we're kind of out cheering for Jim and Kat to get together. You know, they're not the most hateable couple in one of these horror movies. You know, one of these young in love couples. Um, I had a little bit of problem with Jim and the whole vacation thing earlier in the film. But ultimately, he does really make up for it. And even though, you know, he does end up getting infected, I still think it's a great story and a beautiful way to end this movie. You know, rather than just ending it on killing the businessman, um, the way certain people from Uruguay might have done. They give, they give us that extra little bit of an epitaph and ultimately the virologist scene, I mean, you can make an argument that it's not even really all that necessary. I mean, they could have figured out a way through that. Um, and potentially even just cut it out altogether. I mean, you could have cut it out, saved five to 10 minutes of runtime, but I don't hate the scene. I do agree with the people that say that it's kind of brings the movie to a halt, but I'm going to stand here and say, I like that it brought the movie to a halt at that particular moment. Like I said, it gave me a chance to breathe. It gave me a chance to kind of soak in what I just witnessed. The fact that finally, finally a final girl takes out the big bad in just epic, angry fashion, you know? So, you know, I'm, I'm still kind of, you know, in a glow from this during the whole virologist scene anyway. So I'm very okay with the slower scene there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: it's a necessary breather, just because, you know, you've had such a high beforehand that if you took it out, you'd be just right back into the fray again, and then it would lose the emotional impact. I, I think ne- bringing it down gives it a chance to breathe and lets it have an impact, because if you just go straight from that into, you know, he grabs her, throws her in the Deacon Tam, you know, you see the baby scene, and then, you know, the, they try to escape, you know, you're not really... You don't have a chance to be affected by, you know, her smashing the the businessman. It gives it a chance to breathe and it gives it a chance to have an impact. And I think that's what makes it work the most.
2: Absolutely. Perfectly said, my friend. Yeah. Just, you know, all the pacing choices made throughout this movie, I appreciate. You know, every time we get a major scene of debauchery, we get a little bit of a a lull. Not a major one. It's not like you have to deal with five to ten minutes of a slow scene every single time. But it's just nice to, you know, get a little, a minute or two to just kind of... And really, it's not just to breathe, but to absorb what you just watched, because sometimes, you know, depending on who you are, a lot of the stuff in this movie is going to be shocking. It's going to be incredibly shocking. Obviously, you know, for somebody like us, you know, people like us who've been in the genre for a long time and have watched, you know, the the, the most depraved of the depraved um it, it, it may not be as shocking so much as just, you know, glee inducing that is a word that I've been using a lot with this film. <laughs> um, I and, and folks, listen, I genuinely hope that anybody still listening to my voice doesn't judge us harshly. Um, you know, I already talked about how some people, you know, look at fans of certain movies. Please don't think that Don and I are just debaucherous you know psychos that want to kill everything that moves no my friends no we watch these movies so that we don't do these things in real life this is my release this is when i watch a movie like the sadness all i'm picturing are like the shitty people that i work with getting just decimated um people in my family that i can you know kind of live without it's it it just becomes this um guilty I, i hate to to use the word guilty pleasure because the movie is legitimately good, but I still kind of look at it as a guilty pleasure because, you know, who knows if you don't, some people are going to think you're uh, a little sadistic and ultimately I'm okay with that title. I mean, I, you know, I'm sure Don is the same way. I've seen movies way worse than the sadness, way worse and more debaucherous Mm -hmm. than the sadness. But none of those have the masterful filmmaking that we see in this film, the score, the cinematography, the great performances, all of it. This movie is a total package. And even though it may not be and it definitely will not be a 10 out of 10 an absolutely perfect film for all genre fans, I can say without with, with full confidence. This is a near – I'm not even going to say near. This is a fucking perfect movie to me. I love every single minute of this movie. There's not a second of this movie that I dislike. And, you know, I've watched it, what, like a half dozen to ten times now? And it still brings me joy every time. And I'm sure this movie is going to bring me joy for years to come. So, yeah, the exuberant price that we paid for that German uh, 4K steelbook, I'm very okay with it. Mm Because this movie is going to be a a featured title in my collection for decades to come. Guys, shut me up because I'm going to keep talking for hours about this movie.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, for myself, uh, speaking on uh, what you just said, yeah, I, I, I've seen more depraved stuff than this. I mean, I've legitimately seen you know stuff about people slicing their own l- digits off, or you know taking shits on screen. I mean, I've literally seen stuff like that. But the fact that you wrap what goes on in this movie, I mean, we you you heard it you know a couple of hours ago. There's an honest. To- you know, there's an actual skull fucking that goes on in this, and it's not the most brutal thing that happens. You take that kind of impact and you take that kind of debauchery and sadistic, you know, activity, but you wrap it up in a technical package that's probably, I would say, just as much as anything that, you know, we got from Astor or Peel or, you know, what's that other guy? Yeah, Eggers. I'm not saying that he's, you know, in line with them yet, because we've actually seen their follow up films. You know, all three of them, we know what their follow up film was after their debut. But you see the package that this guy brought together and he, you know, dived as headfirst and headlong into this kind of gleeful, you know, I mean, sadism and debauchery are just, you know, perfect terms. He dived headlong into that, but wrapped it up in a, you know, a masterclass of technical filmmaking. I, this guy won me over for life with one film, and <laughs> I I can't admit, I I can't remember any other director since I've been a genre fan that's done that. I I, I can't remember a time when I've seen of you know a debut film that impacted me this much, where. <laughs> One viewing, I was almost ready to declare it in my top favorite films of all time, and it's legitimately gotten there on repeat viewings. Yeah, it's over the top in the best way possible with all of the, you know, aspects and technicalities and anything that you want to say being, you know, labeled a gore hound, as you will. Yeah, there's enough of that in there to satisfy. But if you look beyond it, there's timely topical commentary on you know the state of the world at large living in a pandemic living with a virus that we don't know what's going on with it going to work and trying to you know accommodate what's going on while you know you've got these strange maniacs going around all over the place spreading this disease to anyone that they come in contact with it's topical and yet there's also, you know, far more than that. I mean, Mike brought up, you know, tons of social commentary on, you know, toxic masculinity because, I mean, believe it or not, it's almost always men that get infected in here. You don't I, – I rarely, rarely remember seeing a woman that got infected beyond the opening girl who, you know, you saw her peel the guy's face off. <clears throat> beyond that, I don't even remember there being a woman in, that was actually infected beyond, you know, maybe a couple in the – The orgy, you know, yeah. Yeah, the orgy scene or, you know, a couple that are, you know, running random on the street. But all of the other main Mm -hmm. villains that we see here were men. So I would imagine, you know, I mean, I'm not, you know, smart enough or, you know, tied into Taiwanese culture to, you know, speculate on what's being said there. But I would imagine there's something else in there that, you know, if there's anybody that knows more about it, let us know because – that's going to make this film sound even better to me because a gore film as gleeful and as brutal and as goddamn beautiful to look at as this is that has a brain with it I I I don't know what else to say about that. I mean this guy's he's somebody to watch. And yeah, I I'm going to follow you and saying Mike, you know, shut me up because I could keep going.
2: The last thing I'm going to say about this, literally the last thing, I promise, Mike. I watched the trailer after watching the film. You guys know I don't watch trailers before the movie. There is literally a quote in the trailer that says, this is the most violent and depraved zombie movie of all time. And guess what, folks? That's not hyperbole. 99 times out of 100, I would say, you just wrote a check that that movie will never be able to cash. My friends... This movie cashed that check. Um, and whether you like it or you don't, you have to admit he went for it. He held back nothing. And ultimately, whether you love or hate this movie, you realize this is a moment in history. This is a moment in horror history. This is like a Serbian film. This is like martyrs. You know, when a movie comes out that just disturbs us this much and then turns off others. It's a moment. So my friends enjoy it. I'm, I'm going to enjoy this moment for a long time. So, yeah. <laughs> now, Mike, I'm going to mute my mic so that I have no temptation to keep talking.
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't really have much to add. I think we've kind of said it all. Just it. it I'm sure the movie won't be for everyone, as evidenced by uh, the I think it was the YouTube review. Uh, Venom brought up but for those that do like this kind of movie this is in the elite class of this style so uh, technically well done on on every level Um, and for like a gore splatter movie it still tends to have a pretty good story with uh, a couple of main characters you care about so Mm -hmm. um they, there's plenty to like about this movie beyond even just the gore itself not to not to say that that's not like the highlight because I do think the gore effects in this are excellent um, every time like I said I, there was probably some use of CGI just for extra blood splattering or spraying but for the most part it looked like a lot of practical effects and they were very well done something that will always get points from me and, uh, shoot, now that it's on Shutter, it I don't see why anyone wouldn't want to check it out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I guess that's it for me.
2: Oh, man. Okay. I need a cigarette.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I guess as a cool-down, we can mention where else we can be heard. We're talking about movies that probably we don't love quite as much as this lately, but... <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, Let's see. For me, uh, we did record the main show this past weekend, episode 45, where we looked at my picks, which were spring break horror movies. Um, We looked at The Ruins from 2008 and uh, Atrocious from 2010, which is a Spanish found footage film, horror film. So uh, I wanted to do something that was kind of known by the masses and maybe another one that wasn't as known. So um, that should be out. Fairly soon after you hear this episode, I would imagine within a day or two, so check that out. And um, Creature Comforts, No More Room in Hell presents Creature Comforts. We'll be recording episode nine. This coming Sunday, we are going to look at Cloverfield. Yes, the found footage a creature feature um, that actually was nominated for some Oscars, effects Oscars if I remember correctly, but still. And Oscar, you know, nominated movie. So that's pretty heavy for Creature Comforts. There you go. So that'll be the next episode of Creature Comforts. I would say look for that episode to be out uh, towards the end of the month. I'm not the fastest with editing episodes quite yet. I'm still learning, folks. Give me some time. Uh, but, yeah, uh, before the end of the month. We'll, we'll actually have the May episode out in the calendar month of May. So, woo! <laughs> and that's it for me, folks.
1: All right, Don. how about you?
0: Um as I mentioned last week, uh the guest spot from uh House That Screams podcast uh, is still out there. Um it was a look at the original Susperia which uh was a lot of fun. But um other than that, the only other one is uh, the latest episode of uh the Horror Countdown where I was joined by uh Venom's friend Rebecca Reinhardt to look at our favorite 1980s one-shot slasher movies. That's so a great uh, list for her. <laughs> Yeah, we uh, we talked about it on the uh, show that this was uh, pretty much almost all done uh, as soon as we agreed what the uh, conversation was. Uh, mm-hmm. As soon as as soon as we agreed to uh, set a recording date together and uh, set the topic, I think we both almost had our list planned out, and uh, it was just a matter of. Uh, not just you know sorting everything but ranking everything mm-hmm. um we were both able um i think we both said that we had like around 20 titles each um pretty soon after uh the uh, topic was agreed upon so um yeah it was a lot of fun we uh you know we were able to uh have some crossovers and a uh, couple of surprising choices but uh yeah it was a lot of fun and uh you know if you heard her on her show you know what uh she brings uh with the with the genre so um go ahead and uh, check that one out um other than that i i don't have anything other than uh upcoming recordings for uh my show so yeah pretty dry on my ends
1: okay um as far as i go um, I'm not going to be recording much. I'm going to be editing this and <laughs> uh, the main show. So that's going to be the rest of my week. And, uh, yeah, so I got my plate full with other stuff other than being on podcasts. So um, that's it. Uh, next episode, I know we have a couple choices because uh, the new Firestarter came out this week. Uh, that's always – an option, but Hatching also hit VOD.
0: I'd rather go with Hatching, just because I've heard better things about it, but it's up to you guys.
1: I mean, I would lean towards Hatching, too.
0: Yeah, I mean, you guys know I already saw Hatching and
2: kind of gave my thoughts on the main show, so I'll I'll keep hush-hush on that, but um, I'm still going to watch Firestarter this week and uh, just to see. I'm I'm too curious, so... Yeah, I mean,
1: I'll end up watching it regardless. It's just... It's yeah. like, I think when I was originally setting up the schedule, I thought that was going to be like the movie for the week. But now I'm like, oh, wait, there's actually options. And it's not like I'm picking just some random thing I'm trying to look for. Like hatching is actually something I was looking forward to, too. And I wasn't able to see it in the theater. So I am pretty, like, looking forward yeah. to watching it. Yeah. Quick watch. Yeah. 90 it's,
0: minutes. Awesome. Yeah, it was kind of weird that they, um, they kind of bumped, they kind of uh, put everything together kind of close to- Like that's so I mean, for something somebody like us, you know, you had like five or six films drop around the same time, but I, I I mean, I, you know, it. I'm one voice. I would lean towards hatching, but I, I still am curious about Firestarter. Just, I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm just curious to see what they do with it because I've seen the original once, and I don't remember, like, anything. All I remember is it being Drew Barrymore and, you know, the other guy being Keith David. The, the <laughs> white guy, no, David Keith. Damn it, I did it again. There you go. <laughs> I
1: was going to say I, 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 Charles.
0: I <laughs> Yeah, I did it again. The white one, David Keith. <laughs> See, yeah, I can not even remember the cast in the original, so that's how much the, it affected oh, hey, me. Well, hey,
2: my favorite actor ever is in that movie, Mr. George C. Scott,
0: so... Oh, oh any, anything with yeah, him in it, I'm on board. Yeah, Rainbow, right, or Reinhardt? yeah something like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, him and there.
1: Martin Sheen's Martin Sheen's awesome as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's
2: he's the I, well, he's one of the villains. Yeah. Oh crap. Yeah, yeah he yeah, kind he's of, of, of he's
1: he's kind of like a tweener character, and then yeah. he switches over to like full-on villain at one point.
0: Exactly. Yeah, he he,
1: <laughs> oh, he, he does the okay. change clothing thing.
0: <laughs> yeah like i said i all I remember is drew Barrymore David Keith, apparently now, oh and yeah. Heather Locklear, yeah <laughs> so yeah i I'm, I'm yeah I, she gets her
1: she gets her what ten minutes of filming
0: yeah eh, so that's all she definitely need. see I'm definitely due to give that one a rewatch, but um it yeah uh i I mean if you guys are settled on the hatching I, I'm fine with that because I'm also been curious about it, just you know mm-hmm. word of mouth and it, I I can't lie. That premise has me just damn intrigued. Absolutely. Like it's one of the it's one of the weird ones where I I I'm kind of just curious to see how they're they're going to pull the premise off. But I I mean it's my my voice against you guys, if, so I mean if you guys are up to do it, I'm game. So.
2: Uh, the only other issue is that Men opens this Friday as well. The new A24 film, yeah, which I'm sure Don is very excited for.
0: (laughs) Well, if that's the case, then I think we can just schedule the next two weeks with uh, Hatching and then Men. Yeah, unless
1: something comes up the last week, but I don't think so.
0: Uh, There
2: is a horror movie coming out. It's either the last week of May or the first week of June, but it's not like a franchise. It's like a brand new movie I've never heard of. It's got like a really generic title. Damn it, I can't think of it now. Like Watcher or something like that, The Watcher or something like that. But yeah, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I I read about it and it said it's supposed to get a theatrical release in late May, early June. So mm-hmm. who knows?
0: <laughs> well, if that's still the case, I, I'd still rather go hatching than men.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'm I'm very down.
0: Not that I'm trying maybe, to maybe people just
2: uh, you know, if if any of us watch Firestarter this week, we'll we'll do a little side review. You know, a little yeah. quickie. I loved it or I hated it.
0: <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> there you go.
1: All right. But, cool. uh, yeah, you know, well, not that I'm
0: trying to program two weeks worth of shows, but uh, I would be com- more comfortable with that. Uh, setup. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So,
1: listeners, you're going to get some combination of the movies we just talked about. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think obviously 824's is man is a guarantee. It's in the it's in the theater. Um, and well, I can. Yeah. So we're going to see that. And then we'll figure out the next one. I'm thinking it's going to be hatching, but uh, I just won't make it 100% at this point. So that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Fresh Cuts. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will be back in less than a week since I'm getting this one out a little later uh, into the week. So uh, thank you. And we will catch you then. So let's say bye to the listeners.
0: Later.
2: Adios, folks. And don't forget, this is my kiss. I'm kissing you to death. Peace.